welcome to John Park's workshop. It's me, John Park, and here we are. It is time. Are you ready? Thank you all for coming by. I think we are live on YouTube and Twitch at least. Those are a couple that we're keeping our eye on. And I want to say hi to everyone over in the Discord chat. Check this out. Here's the Discord chat. Did you know? Did you know about the Discord chat? That is where a lot of people who are watching this show as well as a lot of people who are in the general Adafruit community, are doing all the talking, uh, making puns. There's also channels for getting help with projects, help with CircuitPython, help with Arduino, 3D printing, a whole bunch of different topics. So I encourage you to go and check it out. You can head on over to adafruit.it slash discord in order to get an invite to to, uh, join right into the Discord chat. So please come on over. I'll be keeping an eye on that. All right, let's uh, pop that off and let's see, what have we got today? There is a project build that I'll be getting into a little later in the show, as well as a gear report. I have a little something to show. I'm going backwards through the list of things in my head. We'll have a game of the week pick. We're gonna do a make code minute. I'll show you my product pick of the week and mention a couple little housekeeping details. So there you have it. First of all, first one I want to jump into is our jobs board. Did you know that we've got a jobs board at jobs.adafruit.com? It is true. We do. And I'm going to open it up right now. That is our job board. You can see it right there. Here you will uh, find the ability to post positions. If you're looking to hire someone, it's entirely free to use. And if you are looking to get a job yourself, you can post all of your info and your resume there. And again, it's totally free. So check these out. You'll see there are some remote positions, some freelance things, some contract gigs. If you're looking for work, this is a great place to go and check it out. That's at jobs.adafruit.com. So I'm going to put the help wanted sign back up there and encourage you to go check it out. All right, one, uh, another piece of, let me pop this browser open, another piece of uh, news is we've got the Adabox coming. There's gonna be a Adabox shipping, Adabox 16. It's shipping in about 10 days, 10 and a half days. And we'll be setting up to do an unboxing a little while after that, maybe a week or two after that. There are subscriptions open still. So head on over to adafruit.com slash adabox. You can subscribe. Costs $60. You will, and that price is always going to be better than buying the parts later. And I believe you get free shipping with it. I can't, I, I, don't, don't quote me on that. I can't remember if that's true or not. But I think it's just 60 bucks all in. Uh, we have some spots left. I'm not sure how many, but it says right there subscriptions are, are still open. So someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's still time to subscribe and it's going to be a good one. There's going to be a lot of uh, great projects that are geared towards the exciting contents that'll be in that box. So head on over there, check it out and uh, think about getting yourself a subscription or a subscription for someone else. If you know someone who's a budding maker and wants to get involved with this kind of stuff, building these kinds of things, Adabox is a really great introduction to that. So head on over and check it out. 
Uh, yeah, over in the Discord, uh, it's mentioned, Andy Callaway mentions, not free shipping to the UK. I may have lied about that entirely. I don't know if it's free shipping or not. There are some countries we do ship to, some we don't. I know that it gets complicated. So uh, thank you for your patience with us on that. But generally speaking, the parts are available later, and you'll, of course, be able to access all of the learn guides and, excuse me, and projects that are associated with that Adabox. Well, all right, let's see. Next thing up is my product pick of the week. So you may or may not know, I have a show on Tuesdays, and it's at this time, same time, 4 o'clock Eastern time, 1 o'clock Pacific time. It is JP's product pick of the week, just uh, as the crazed-looking guy right there is, is letting you know. And on the show, I pick a product of the week to dive into a little deeper than, than our usual, hey, look, here's a new product. So uh, I will show you a little excerpt from that now, a little one-minute recap from it. But the show is uh, about 20 minutes usually, so 12 to 20. That's what we strive for with it. So here's the little one-minute recap for you. The BH1750 ambient light sensor. So what this is showing us right now is that we have about 128 lux, and that's just based on the, the ambient lighting in the room. As I cover that sensor up, when it gets below 10, I told it to just turn the screen off. So that sort of simulates that behavior of putting something to sleep. And you can see it's pretty responsive. I've written all this in CircuitPython. I've built a little rig here where I have some flashlights that I want to test. And this is a crazy bright light, so I'm going to point this here. We can see we're getting about 18,000 lux on this one. So you can see those are just a couple of the nice, easy uses for this sensor. And that is why this is my product pick of the week. All right, there you have it. And that's a, a good one. And I hadn't actually used that breakout on its own before. I can't remember. We may have that sensor integrated into some of our boards that have a lot of sensors built onto them. But I'd never used the breakout. And it was a uh, real pleasure to use that one. And I actually think I'll be incorporating it into an upcoming product for my next product pick of the week next Tuesday. So come on and tune in. Also, one thing to note is sometimes we do a special discount on the product pick of the week just during the live stream. So if you can, tune in. Uh, we'll let you know right away, and there's a blog post that'll let you know what product it is, so you can head to the product page. We'll give you the URL. I even put up a QR code this past week. Go there, watch the show in the YouTube video that'll be embedded inside of the product page. And when we have a discount, it's not always possible for us to do it, but when we do have a discount on it, it can be extreme. I think we had that one for 50% off. We sold quite a few of them, which is great. Helps us keep the lights on here at Adafruit and Adafruit West, aka my workshop. So thank you uh, for tuning in and, uh, and buying stuff. That's what keeps it moving. All right, so let's see. Next up, I've got the Make Code Minute. All right, let me get set up here. There is a, there it is. I want to show you that one. Okay, so for the Make Code Minute today, what I wanted to do was show you a special little trick 
for printing your serial text from the Circuit Playground Express to this great little scope. This is the Chibi scope. And what the Chibi scope does is it allows you to measure the voltage, uh, watch a waveform display like a little oscilloscope, and use it as a serial monitor. It's very easy to use. Right now what I'm doing is I'm measuring some of the sensors on this board. So I'm measuring the switch position, I'm measuring the x-axis, I'm measuring the light sensor. I think that's it. But unfortunately it's scrolling by so fast we can't see it. So what I'm going to do is flip the switch here and you'll see it stabilizes that text. So we can now actually read what's going on. So the question is, how do you do this? How do you make that, that work in a serial port? Well, this is actually a really neat function of the way the Chibi scope was designed. And you'll see here, if you look at my make code session, when I start this, I'm using this special, what they call verbs. I'm sending the serial right hashtag run. And that puts the display into sort of the free running mode that we saw at first. When I flip my switch, I'm calling this uh, set the switch position to false. And in my forever loop, when that is set to false, it calls this locked sync text function. This is what's running the rest of the time now that I have it stabilized. Uh, let me, whoops, that was not it. Let me find it over here. There it is. So you'll notice here again, we have this special verb. And in this case, it's serial write line locks that locks the display. Then I write all of these strings to the screen. Some of them are strings, some of them are writing a full line. And so I have that all formatted nice and neat. And then at the very end of this, I write the line sync and that tells the whole screen to update. And it just does this on every loop, but it is always locking and syncing, which prevents this mess of text going by, which I love. So that is a little trick. It was actually written for the Chibi Scope using an Arduino, but we're able to use it right in MakeCode because we can send that serial text of those little special hashtag verbs. So that is how you can use the Chibi Scope as a a uh, nice little serial readout for your Circuit Playground Express right inside of Make Code. And that is your Make Code Minute. I love this little thing, and I recommend you can use it kind of in lots of different ways in your workbench, in your shop, in, in projects. They are, in fact, I'll, I'll pop up the page for them real quick. Where'd they go? Uh, I think I have them bookmarked somewhere in here. There it is. That's the scope. Love to code Chibi scope. Uh, they're $30 and they're really cool. So go check it out. It was made for the Chibi uh, code bit, Chibi chip. Yeah, that was what it, what it was made for, but you can use it with pretty much anything. All right. So, oh, I didn't show you that page. I'm so sorry. Where'd the page go? There. Oh, I'm hiding it. There it is. That's the chibi scope right there. Cute little GIF animation that shows you how it works. All right. So let's see. Next up, let's have a look at my MakeCode Arcade game pick of the week. And my pick of the week this week is a game that I found on forum.makecode.com in the arcade channel. And this game is called BugBots the Mine. This was based on a challenge that this user named GameGod, who created this game, posted, which was to have other people create games that were all done in grayscale and I believe had a bug theme. 
hope I'm getting that right. So let's check it out. This is Bug Bots the Mine, and it's a really cute game. It says here you're a miner, you collect ore with a pickaxe. Your pickaxe durability is limited. When it breaks, use the ore you've collected to buy a new one. So I'll let you read the rest or try it yourself, but let's go ahead and play it. So you'll notice here I have this cool little bug, and when I tap on a block, it mines it, but it also uses up some of my pickaxe strength, so I'm down to seven health there. You'll see I just picked up one ore. I'm gonna go pick up another ore. Oops, I have five left. I don't know if I'm gonna find another piece of ore in that time, so it's gonna cause me to restart. Now I use that ore to buy a new pickaxe, and this time I've got 20 strength because I found those two ores. So the better you do at mining, the better your next axe is, which is a really cool piece of gameplay. Uh, and one thing I really love about it is this limited view. There's this sort of vignette or mask around the camera in the game. So I wanted to take a look at how that works. If you go and check out the code, hit, hit edit code, you'll see here right in the, which block is this? Is it on start? Yeah. So on start, there is a sprite made, uh, which is this mask right here. And you'll see it's got essentially an alpha channel or, or transparency for this middle part. And then the outer part here is just black. That is then set to be relative to the camera. So it essentially always sticks with the camera even as the camera's moving around the level. And it's handled separately from the, from the player character. The uh, screen view there is also set to ghost mode, which I believe is what gives us sort of that gray uh, through it there. But I haven't experimented with it enough. This is really cool. I actually got kind of obsessed with just playing it, so I haven't actually looked at the code too much. But I loved that tip, and I'm sure there's other cool stuff to find in here. Uh, also, I'll mention, if you go to the forum and look at this thread, you'll see there's a neat starting game that Joey from the Make Code team made, which is in this special grayscale palette. So you can go and build your entire game in grayscale as the, as the modified palette. So that's my gameplay. Uh, pick of the week for Make Code. It is Bugbots the Mine. Go check it out. All right, let's check back in with Discord. Why don't we? What's happening over there, folks? Where's my Discord? There it is. All right. Looks like there's some uh, people keeping spammers at bay over on the YouTube. So thank you, Scott and and other people for, wow, that's a lot. I see, I see a lot of spam coming through. That's too bad. If you want to, I'm not going to say you'll entirely avoid that, but things tend to be a little less spammy over on Discord. So you can head on over there for the chat if you want to. All right. The, uh, oh, someone in the chat though, a legitimate person, Adam Bryant over in the YouTube chat says Boulder Dash. That reminds them, that bug game reminds them of Boulder Dash for sure. I remember that one. All right. Let's go now to a little bit of a gear report. So I'm going to head over to my workbench and let's pop up a bench cam there. You can see there you're actually getting a little bit of a preview of our project, which we're just about to get to, I promise. But I'm going to plop that down for a second. And what I wanted to show you is for, for my gear report, uh, let's see, is this going to there we go. My little camera switcher is working again. So this is a odd leg caliper, also called an odd leg Jenny, and there's some other names for it. This is a type of caliper 
that I recently just picked up this one, although it's a bit older and it's a really nice one. The company that made it is Starrett in uh, Connecticut, I think they are, Massachusetts, one of those two. It probably says on here, why don't I put on my glasses and read on the side of the thing? Are they in Athol? Yeah, they're in Athol, Massachusetts. Careful saying that one. And the uh, purpose of an odd leg caliper, I'm gonna zoom in here, is in this case, this one's designed for scribing lines on a piece of work, generally metal. Uh, you could use it on some other things that that'll, you can scratch, like, like plastic or acrylic. And the idea is to measure a uh, distance that you want to scribe from an edge. So in this case, let's say I want to do a 10 millimeter or one centimeter uh, line from the edge of this. So what I'll do is take my, here we go, I'm going to use it like this. I'll take my little ruler here and I'll press that odd leg side, that curved leg to the edge of the ruler because that's how we're going to be using it. And then I will move the caliper until it lines up with this 10 millimeter mark. You can also use very fine adjustments with this wheel here. So if I turn that, it'll, it'll turn that with uh, very precise, there we go, very precise. So that's exactly 10 millimeter, or as close as I'm ever gonna get. You can then tighten this right here. And then depending on what you're cutting, of course you're gonna need, uh, you're gonna have to like one edge because that's your sort of ground truth. But if I wanna get 10 millimeters away from this edge on this piece of plastic, I will now hook that odd leg into the side of the piece of work and then scribe with this edge. It doesn't scribe that too easily, it's a little slippy. Uh, this can be sharpened too. This is meant to be sort of a tool, uh, this is meant to be a hard piece. Sometimes these are replaceable. This one is not really, but you can sharpen that edge. You'll see here too, I got, this is just some old, an old drawer, I don't mind scarring it up. So here I'm gonna put a little 10 millimeter edge in there and you might then use that for who knows what you're doing. Cutting, most likely, but you might also be marking something for drilling or you're adding some sort of uh, paint or pinstripes. I don't know if you can see how well you can see that on the camera there. There's a little edge that I've put in. And you can uh, use some uh, bluing if you need to to go back and paint and wipe so you can see where, where your edge was. So that's my little gear report. I lucked into picking this up from a picker I know for a, a, a steal. I got it for $5. These are worth a lot more than that. So thank you to my picker contact. And that's my gear reports, the odd leg Caliper or Odd Leg Jenny. And I'm gonna pop back in to our Discord chat there and say hello, Charles Berniford. Thanks for popping in and saying hi. If people have experience with uh, this type of caliper or other calipers and scribing, uh, talk about it in the chat. I'm always interested in learning more uh, about these kinds of tools and how they're used. All right, let's see. Next up, let's get to our project of the week. So I'm gonna bring back that big main cam there and I'll pop myself up into the corner. So what I'm gonna do is show you this little scoreboard that I've built. So this is, uh, you can see it right there. This is a Wi-Fi enabled scoreboard and the way it works is I'm using the matrix portal with its Wi-Fi capabilities. So it's plugged in for power, but it's not plugged into any kind of network or, or button box or anything like that. Instead, it's just powered up uh, over, my, over a 
power transformer or a, a power adapter to five volts into the USB-C. And the program that's running is using the ESP32 that's built on board to get onto my Wi-Fi access point. It's running code that is actually going to Adafruit I.O. and pulling down values from four feeds that I have set up. So there's a feed for the red team's player name and the red team's score, and then the blue team's player name and the blue team's score. And I'll show you how all that works in Adafruit I.O. in a minute, but first I want to show you uh, what that looks like on the app. So here, uh, it's not even an app. This is just my browser. But uh, the nice thing is this works really well on the phone. So whatever browser you're using on the phone, you're just going to your Adafruit.io website. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to change the score so that I'll just bump up Lisa to, let's say, six points. So let's say that we're playing Cornhole is the game that I imagined. And you'll see over there my uh, scoreboard has now updated. Sorry about the alarm going off out there. And what you'll notice is there's a little white dot that shows up every time it fetches. So I just popped Bart's score up to five, and you'll see the little white dot is on on my scoreboard, which means it's going, making the connection, pulling down, and parsing the JSON data from all of, uh, actually just from those two feeds. I'm just grabbing the, the score feeds every time. I don't need to re-grab the player names except for when I restart. So we can now uh, have... Let's, let's have Lisa win there, 21-8. So again, when this goes and updates, you'll see, generally speaking, you'd probably update one score, and that would be a little faster. But if you're updating both scores at once, it'll go through, it'll grab them both, and there we go, the game is over. Uh, so now what I can do, you know what, I'll, I'll show you the Adafruit I.O., and I'll pop that little game score view into the corner there, how about? And let me make this a little bit bigger. So what you're looking at right here is actually the score feed. And this is kind of interesting because it means that you can go back and look at the scoring if you care what, what the, uh, not just the final results, but how the scoring went. This will give you the history of that. If I go to my dashboards in Adafruit.io, I'm gonna pull up my scoreboard dashboard. And there it is. So first of all, one of the things you'll notice is Brent mentioned, our own Brent Rubel mentioned yesterday, we can now use custom dashboard uh, graphics or what's the word? Banners, I think is the word I'm looking for. So I made a little Matrix Portal M4 scoreboard banner to put up there. And you'll notice this works the same as the phone. So if I'm going to Let's say the game isn't really over. There was a, a, a ruling on a, on a bad turn, so we're going to jump back to a different score. So now you'll see, again, my uh, display back there in the camera is, is updating itself to the new score. And the way this works, if you're not familiar with Adafruit IO, I'll take you through it a little bit. Let's, let me pop, pop myself into the, into the corner there so I can talk to you, and I'll dangerously move my scoreboard screen down a little bit. There we go. So in Adafruit IO, what I've done is I have created four feeds. And this is generally how things work, is you can make feeds and you can organize them inside of feed groups, which makes them have sort of consistent naming as far as the path we're gonna search for. So I've created the scores group. And in it, I've made these four feeds. So there's the team names and the scores. If I look at the red team score feed. I can open that up. If I look at the feed info, you can see it has a 
very particular name. I think I've made this one, excuse me, private at the moment, so I don't think you'll be able to find anything at the end of that URL. The, I just wanted to keep the shenanigans to a minimum during the show, but I'll probably open that back up later and you can send scores in. This name here of io.adafruit.com slash John Park feed scores group dot red team score feed. That's something we're going to use in the circuit Python code to tell the Adafruit IO fetch where to go to grab that data. So there are four of those. And then when I look at my, let's, in fact, let's go back to the scores dashboard here. So these are created using these little create blocks and edited using edit the layout so I can move things around and set them the way I want. The little gears here are going to let us point a piece of dashboard widget at a feed. So I've got this pointed at the red team name feed. And this is the sort of particulars of the... um, look and feel of that widget. So you can change the size of the text in this case, number of decimal places if it's using numbers. Uh, I think if I set this here, it will... Okay, we already have a real feed value, so that one doesn't matter. So having a default doesn't matter in there. And I'll actually cancel out of that now. And then if we take a look at how this works, when I go and change a widget, it just updates the feed back on the feed page. So the, the... red team score feed page value just got set to eight. The dashboard is not really being interacted with by the matrix portal and its circuit Python code. Instead, it's just the feeds and the dashboard is yet another way to influence feeds, but it's not always necessary if you're reading sensors and things. So let's have a look at the code that's running on there. And this was, I wanna thank Melissa our own maker, Melissa, for the code and some updates she made to Matrix Portal libraries so that we could do things like scaling of the text. So those are, I think, scale one for the names and scale two, doing a transform on the terminal I.O. So I didn't need to use a bitmap font. It's nice and easy and a little more dynamic and flexible, which is great. Uh, So I'll show you the code here. This is, uh, let's see, I won't be using a serial port because I'm not not connected. So we'll just look at the code here. What's happening? I'm importing some uh, libraries that I need. So time, actually, I don't think I need random. That's probably a, a, a leftover from a previous board. We were, we were using this for the quote board, some of this uh, code here. The board, which tells us things like the pinouts, terminal IO, which is the font, and then the Adafruit matrix portal library, which is going to handle the display and the fetching of the JSON data. I'm going to turn on word wrap here soft wrap so you can see everything. Next, we set up the matrix portal display. We set a couple colors. I decided to use red and blue. We could change those to any two colors you want. And if you wanted to extend this, you could have a color picker in your dashboard and set your team colors using a uh, color picker and then reset the board and it'll grab your new names and your new team colors, which is fun. Uh, Probably I should have named these red color, blue color, red team, blue team. These probably should have more generic names like team A and team B. The next thing we do is we set up these lines of text. So we have uh, the matrix portal add text. We use that a bunch of times. We use that to add in the, let's see, four of them, I think, for the red, blue team names and red, blue scores. 
and then we position them as well. We tell them where they are on screen. So that's just a little, little bit of trial and error to get them where you want them. Some of that uses some clever math, like taking half of the size of the screen to figure out where their middle is on one direction or another, one axis or another. Then I also made this little piece of connecting text uh, that is way over on the right, and it's just a dot, which has actually been doubled, so it looks a little bit like a colon. Then these are our feed names. So remember I showed you over in the Adafruit I.O. feed data, we had the, the feed group, so the scores group is consistent on all those, and then the red team score feed, blue team score feed, red team name, blue team name, those are all the four different feeds that we're grabbing from. Update delay, this is how often it'll go and check for changes in those two feeds. We're only checking the score feeds. And I set that to every four seconds, which again, this isn't gonna be something you'd use for super high speed uh, scoring game, but anything that takes a little bit, I think ping pong would probably work. It takes a little bit for people to set up. Certainly cornhole, that type of game, but use your, use your imagination. Any game you wanna score that can fit on the screen, you could do. You could also set your scale of your text down to one and, and it would allow you to get more digits on there. And let's see, then we are uh, creating a function called show connecting text. And this decides if we're connecting or not, we're gonna grab the dot. So this quote, dot, quote, or we're just gonna grab the space and that'll blank out that dot. And that's easiest way, uh, very simple way to just show the connectivity. Then we have a function called get last data and it uses the feed key. And this goes up and whichever feed key we're asking for, so the blue score or the red score, it's gonna uh, run that into there and go to the JSON output of the uh, Adafruit IO feed data and grab, grab what we need, uh, which is gonna be the last, last value, details data last. And then we have the show connecting, which is how we set that little dot on. The update scores, this is where we actually go. Update data from Adafruit IO, it says in a little print here. So if you have it connected, you'll get some helpful output. And this is where we're saying get the last data from scores red feed and scores blue feed. And then we can customize the team names, update the scores, that'll set it up. And now we're ready for the main loop of the game, or of the code rather. And what happens in that? It's really simple, it's this down here. It's gonna wait a four second delay. So it's using time monotonic to see that's greater than the last update plus update delay. Then it updates the scores and resets that counter. It starts counting off four seconds again. So very simple. I did find that it can take a little while for each feed that it's gonna go and grab data from and also to, to draw it on, on screen. So that's why I decided not to check the team name every time. But if you uh, look here, what I'll do, actually I'll, I'll do this instead of from the phone, I'll do this right from my uh, browser here. I'll change the team names. So red team be Melissa LeBlanc Williams versus me, JP. I'll set the score to zero. Oops, oh, I think it's fighting with my phone also being open. Let me see if I can close that. Uh, and I'll hit enter. Okay, so you'll see a little timestamp show up. I don't think I was hitting enter before. When I hit enter, that updates the feed. That was the problem. And now if we wanna see that new team name show up over on my board, what I'll do is reset. So I'll just hit the convenient little reset board there. There are other ways we could have done that using the A and B button, and maybe I'll change it to that. But this works pretty well. This will go, and this is presuming you're starting a new game. 
you have a few seconds to spare between between rounds or between games. So now it's gonna fill in with the new team names, and you can see here it takes takes a little moment, which is why I'm only updating those just at startup. And we could have changed the team colors there as well. That would have been the right time to do that. And then I will grab my my score, which is gonna be zero. Once it finishes that, then the updates are actually gonna happen quicker. So I can go probably back to my phone pretty safely. You'll see my phone updated with those names as well. So uh, those are pretty quick. And, and in fact, one thing you'll notice is that the, let me turn it like this. The time to update on the browser is actually quite fast. So you can see here, if I set the score, as soon as I release my finger, it basically has sent that up to the great internet in the sky and back to my dashboard. So that's very quick. Over there, you'll see it's now just now updating uh, 5 to 11. And just because Melissa rocked it on this, I think Melissa wins. So final score, 21-11. Good job, Melissa. Thank you for the awesome work and the updates to Matrix Portal Library, which should be released soon, if not already. I don't know where those are in, in, uh, in GitHub. And uh, I'll be putting out code and a guide. The code will be up soon. The guide will be up probably next week, by the end of next week, I think, maybe the following week. I'm about one week behind on the show versus the, versus the guide. So there you go. You can look forward to that. Uh, let me know if you have any suggestions or questions over in the Discord chat, uh, which seems to be the safer chat right now than, uh, than the YouTube. Oh, but let me, let, me, let me say, I just checked out the YouTube chat and Adam Bryant says the odd leg has another function in that you can use it to measure the depth of a hole on the outside of an object. I did not know that. Huh. How about that? All right. Uh, I think that is it. Uh, Melissa says that this, these uh, changes are already in the release version of Matrix Portal Library, and they should be in the next bundle. So when we update a library that's part of the CircuitPython bundle, that's the order of, of operations and how things go. Yeah, agreed. C. Grover says, work on Matrix Portal is excellent, Melissa. It's a joy to work with, so thank you for all the work on that. And I think that is it. So we're going to wrap up here. Thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, quick reminder, we've got Adabox 16 coming up. It's going to be shipping in 10 days, 8 hours, 24 minutes, and 15 seconds. So head on over to that website. You can just do adafruit.com slash adabox, and you will be able to go and sign up and either subscribe for yourself or give it to someone as a gift. It makes a great gift. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone. And for Adafruit Industries, I'm John Park. This has been John Park's Workshop, and I will see you next time. And don't forget, Scott is going to be streaming at 2. So if you can't get enough of the Adafruit live streams, go check out Scott's Deep Dive coming up at 2 o'clock on all of the usual channels. All right. Thanks, everyone, and bye-bye.